0: Gaming the system, the number one podcast for gaming addiction, brought to you by Game Quitters. We use research-backed information to provide you with helpful solutions to gaming disorder, as well as shedding light on some of the most pressing matters in the video game industry every single week. We'll also feature guests who are former gaming addicts and have gone on to game the system, creating a life for themselves outside of the virtual world. Thanks for listening. Ed Lattimore is a heavyweight boxer, author, and physics major who transformed himself from someone battling with a heavy alcohol addiction into the inspiring, passionate, and knowledgeable man he is today. Using the experience he has gained throughout his life, he regularly provides advice to thousands of people every day through his Twitter page, his live speaking events, and his regular newsletters. In this episode of Gaming the System, I talk to Ed about the struggles he faced during his journey and how he overcame them as well as discussing how people in the quitters community can use the parallels between alcohol and gaming addiction to really turn themselves around. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoyed making it. Welcome, Ed Lattimore to Gaming the System. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing pretty good. We we finally got over some, some initial technological humps, but here we go, here we go.
0: <laughs> That's what I get for moving to Thailand, I guess. You're on the East Coast.
1: Yeah, I'm on the east coast of the United States, so EST. Tom in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we're having technically summer weather still <laughs> in the uh, still in the 80s right now. It's a really nice morning. Woke up, sun is shining, not a cloud in the sky. It's like 65, and, that, and that's relatively rare here. Not as rare as like in the UK, but for us to have a completely clear sky is is nice i think i think someone worked out the stats one time and it's like one in three odds or like are like one out of every three days is going to be be clear and i'm like all right that, you know that's cool so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i have to say it's definitely an experience being a pale white guy living in 35 degree heat every day
1: yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's crazy. You mentioned that to me before the call, and, and now that I think about it, because I didn't really. I mean, I'm a, I'm a black guy. Now I'm not just like kind of a black guy. Like no one, no one's gonna think I'm mixed. Like like I'm a dark skin kind of guy, and and I don't think about these things at all. Like my girlfriend, whenever we travel, she's like, make sure you put on sunscreen. I'm like, what? What is sunscreen? You know. And so it's really it must be difficult it's certainly more difficult than it is when when brothers go to cold climates I can just put on a coat and be good and then get used to it you you burn that sucks man
0: <laughs> Yeah I've got to put sunscreen on just to go to the shops it's kind of crazy but anyway i've been a fan of your work i've been following along on social media for a few years now so it's a huge privilege for me to be able to talk to someone that's shaped my life in so many ways do you ever think about the impact you have on random people <laughs> on the internet all over the world i'm
1: well, surprised about the people who follow my work but it but it gives me a chance to connect with a lot of different people because because in reality all i'm doing on the internet is being myself. And I tell people all the time, you know, I'm so lucky because I get to make a living being myself. And it, but it also just happens that, I mean, I think I've legitimately lived, you know, like four lives and, you know, like one of my books about sprouted it, that people continue to have great response to that. That's the result of a life I lived and had to learn from. So, so it's, I, I get to be myself now because I'm really happy. To, like, for example, I'm, I'm clean and sober. But you know, you you go back and and you were just telling me earlier, like, oh, that book, you know, was a great book to read. And I'm like, hey, man, that, that means a lot to me. And and not only did I did I get to help the world i also you know get to put money in my pocket that helps me out so it's a, it's a win-win-win like everybody goes i'm happy you get some help i i get to feel like i i made a difference and i get to make a living doing it
0: yeah one thing i've noticed about your online profile is just how authentic you are especially in your writing and having recently read your book sober letters to my Drunken Self it really shows how you're using your experiences to help people all over the world and just become a better version of themselves.
1: Yeah, because uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm lucky. Like the, yeah, there's a lot of work that I did and I'm not saying that my position is, is the result of merely hard work or merely good luck. There's a combination of both, but, but I never for a moment forget that, you know, all it could have been is, is the coin landing on a different side, and I have you know four DUIs, and I'm in prison or something like that, or or I don't I don't have a a good outcome. I get hit a certain way, and and I, I'm paralyzed or something in boxing. I mean, there there are there we we don't people get very uncomfortable when they are forced to talk about the luck or the role that luck has played in our life. And I am not because I I feel very grateful and, and blessed really, we don't have another word for it. We don't have a word that is free of religious connotation to explain the feeling that you have towards the luck that you've been given. I mean, I guess gratitude is the closest you can get. But but that's why I feel blessed so often that I, I get to be me. I've gone through these things. I've pulled myself through them. And, and they were hard things. And now that I'm here... I get to help other people do the same thing and and also continue to work on myself. You know, I don't think a person can get to a position where they're just like, oh, I'm just going to help, 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 help and teach, teach, teach. Uh, As much as I love teaching, I believe that is the worst position to be in. (laughs) You should always be learning and developing. Like I had a gig for a little while where I was. I was tutoring uh, home, uh, blah, tutoring high schoolers in physics and math and chemistry and all of that, and I had more fun when I was an active student, like when I was getting, when I was leaving class and then going to the, to my clients, than when I was just a tutor. Because it, I, I was learning and applying, I was being forced to make connections. I was advancing one place and advancing in another place. So, so to me, you know, teaching is is a service and a way to develop. It's not just you know just a service, and I think that that's no good.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned going through these hardships, and it's clear from your writing in your books and on social media that you've definitely been through a lot of hard times in your life and i want to talk about this idea of creating your own luck cuz i'm sure you've heard it being spouted around online do you agree with this idea that you create your own luck through hard work and determination or is there something else to it
1: for so so for sure like like you know i was i was i just wrote a newsletter kind of about this and i so the the topic of the newsletter was six ways to go from growth, uh, to, you know, go from a fixed mindset to growth and go from scarcity to abundance, that kind of thing. Right. And one of the things I talk about, I initially start with is, you know, let's talk about the things I can't control. Uh, I, I can't control, for example, being born with an above average IQ. And that certainly helps being able to learn things, uh, helps as long as you get in the right environment to learn them which i wasn't and do the right habits which i wasn't we'll, we'll get more into that place but i had the the raw material but didn't have a way to work with it i was also born with it with an incredibly even temper like very even <laughs> temper and and I, I like i've taken many of the like the big five personality tests mbti everything like that and even been like more rigorously examined because of a project I was born into, but and project in the sense of a science project, not a housing project. But uh, and what comes back consistently, even with sports psychologists, is that I'm like, I have like no neuroses or anxiety. I mean, I'm very calm, almost to the point of it being a negative, like, I, I just don't worry and get frustrated like normal people. So, those are the things I can't control. Right, that certainly helps me in many situations, but I still have to do quite a bit of work with it. I mean, I I was a failing math student in high school, and that should be that's ridiculous for as intelligent as I am. But I didn't know anything about studying or applying myself, or sitting down and working through problems, time management, uh, and just controlling myself how to learn those kinds of things. I had to work and develop that. Likewise with, with boxing. You know, I, I started boxing at a very late age, like almost ancient. I didn't start boxing until I was 22. And I've had a stellar career, both amateur and professional. And one of the reasons why that happened is because I I I said, okay, I'm, I'm just not going to catch up in terms of where my mind is for the sport i didn't start that early but i'm gonna have to work like no other and when i worked really hard you know a lot of opportunities just kept opening up opening up at the amateur level opening up a more at the amateur that made a difference set me up for the professional level made a difference set me up for the professional level And, and it really just i i think you you make your own opportunities and what is that old? There's an old saying opportunity is when luck meets preparation. You can't control a lot of, you know, like by definition, you can't control luck. I don't think you can make it or anything. It's just, it, it really just depends on where you are when certain things happen and your ability to respond to them. And your ability to respond to them is based on your preparation. And you can create the opportunity, you know, like, like I can go would use boxing like I can go to a boxing gym and 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 then keep fighting and I can make it to a tournament. that's the opportunity I put myself there uh, and then doing well in that tournament it sets me up to be invited to something else for example. that's an opportunity I created. The preparation is how well I train. And, and everything practice train the luck, right. I ended up, I got a sponsorship when I was an amateur to train in Los Angeles and the luck there, all the preparation, right. I trained the opportunity. I walked into the gym. I made it to the tournament. I kept showing up. Right. But the luck, I drew a guy who I drew California's champion and he was backed by a group and I beat him. And so they wanted to back me as well as him, right? That's the luck I can't control. I got the opportunity, I got the the preparation and hard work, but the, but the the luck, not so much. And it's it's like that with, with every with everything, man. It's, it's like how did I meet my my girlfriend? Now I've been with her for seven years, you know. The the preparation is me, you know, becoming the best version of myself at the time, you know, learning game, whatever. Uh, the 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 opportunity, I, I'm the one that had to sign up all the dating apps I was on and going on to date uh and then the luck you know I meet somebody who's per i can't i could not control her personality and and if i've had to go out and do it again you know i I could date a thousand girls and not meet someone who vibes with me the correct way you know obviously you know there, there are differences and you got to work through them there's no such thing as getting getting perfect on the first hit but you can get a lot of good raw material to work with and that's the luck part
0: Yeah, well said. I think it's really powerful talking about the differences between who you were and who you are. You touched on it in the book, but for those who haven't read it, can you share a bit more about how you made the decision initially to go sober and really decide to turn your life around?
1: Uh, You you know, I I didn't hit rock bottom, thank goodness. But, you know, you come close enough and you look and reflect and you go, okay, if I can, what I, what I always tell people is, is I had a moment where I was like, and I had a few of these over the course of, of a year period. I didn't, and and what what happened is, I don't know if you've ever seen The Matrix. The scene in The Matrix, right, the very first one, right when they, they get Neo, and they're about to take him to meet Morpheus. And this is that scene where there's that bug in his stomach, right? And he's he's like, yo, that's crazy. You guys are crazy. I'm about to run about to take off, and the car stops, and they're about to let them out, and then, then then Trinity looks at them and goes, you know, Neo, you don't want to go down that path, though, because you know where it ends, and you know yeah, that's not I where hope, you want uh, to be. You know, and, and that, that always point stuck point with point me. Point well, point. it didn't stick it's with good. me when I seen it. I seen the movie and I, I was, like, I think 13, movie. maybe 12 yeah. when it came out. Well, but um, yeah. to later to on in my life, when I watched it, it again, I looked and... And, I, and that's pretty much what I did. I looked at everything I was doing, everything I was how I was living, and, and how I continually self-sabotaged. And that's really what it was. I don't think it was. It wasn't an intentional. And it certainly wasn't my goal to ruin my life out of some fear of success, but it was self-sabotage. It was things I could control that I was controlling the wrong way or, or, or really taking the wrong direction or not controlling at all. So... We we come back and I go and I'm I just look and I go and I just happen to be twenty eight and I use thirty three. I remember using thirty three a lot. I said, you know, five years are gonna pass anyway. Are you going to be in a better position or a worse position? And, and I, when, I, when I thought about that, I said, man, if I'm doing the same things in five years, if I'm in the same position financially and accomplishment-wise, what have I done? Have I used – have I done anything worthwhile? That's going to be absolutely embarrassing. And then I thought about, like, oh, okay, I got this great person I'm with now. I this great girl I'm with now. And, like, is she going to be – is she going to think I'm, I'm worth being with? I've got this boxing career that is developing and we we don't know where it could be in five years, but we but but we do know (laughs) that my relation with alcohol is not going to help it get there. So there's that uh I I don't have any skills right now. That was a big reason why I went back to school and joined the military and everything is that I didn't feel like I was I could do anything other than work retail. So I said, well I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to school and and I'm now in the military and I'm gonna need all the time and energy and to, to get past this, it's gonna be hard. So the yeah, alcohol's got to go, and I and it was it was fortunately for me. This is something I tell everyone who's thinking about getting sober or is newly sober. Uh, you you have to find something to fill the time because it, the further out I get, and that's why I mean I think I wrote yeah, uh, sober letter is the fifth year anniversary of my my uh, sobriety day is when I released it, and I chose that because. Oh, and I didn't even choose to start writing the book until four years in because it was, it was just new at the beginning stages and you're looking at yourself and you're going, okay, I don't know how I'm going to treat this. I don't know how I'm going to respond to this. And the further along you get in the process, you you get perspective. You get to see uh, why you did certain things and why you drank a certain way. And knowing all of that, right, knowing it all now, I can look and go, yeah, you know, the, the booze really had to go. There was just, there was no place for it at all. And I had a really unhealthy relationship for it or relationship with it. And there was, there was just no way I was going to become better. And I wanted to be better. The, the pain of, the pain of being mediocre just became too intense. That's another thing, you know, <laughs> everyone has that moment where they're like, man, this is sucks. Like we're not talking about like the embarrassment. That's bad too. We're not talking about the regret. That's bad too. But that one moment where you're like, dude, I'm, am, I'm am really a low life. I, I don't have anything to show for. <laughs> and, and I had, I had a few of those moments of rapid succession and it really changed my life. I don't know where I would be, you know, uh, but I'm happy I'm here now.
0: One of the biggest problems we get asked about at Game Quitters is from people who are struggling to find things to do after they go sober. And I love the term you used in your book, hijacking your emotional tolerance, as people who play video games 16 hours a day have become desensitized to finding enjoyment in other activities. And once they try to quit, they don't find any enjoyment in other things. Is that something you experienced at the start of your journey?
1: crazy you know i think about this i was i thought about that this uh God, I still think about it. you you never stop thinking about that it's like uh what would i have done well well now my, my mind is so reconfigured to seek other ways of enjoyment that are not like mind altering substances and and one of the, the the times i really realized that this summer we were in we were in Napa Valley and and I wanted to go downtown and just see what was going on. And my first thought was, let me look at all let me look up a variety of things to do. Old me would have been like, Where are the bars? Like and, and that's it. And and because old me would have been like, Where are the bars at? Old me misses what I love to do now. I love going to like museums and shows. Um I I love live music and I love like uh Comedy Comedian Or comedy clubs So I got online Right It's funny I did this I was in Dallas Or or Fort Worth I guess Uh, Dallas Fort Worth uh, Area Earlier that summer too And I got online Looking for things to do And I'm like all right, Look at all these Cool museums here I'm gonna go to that And then I found a jazz club I'm gonna go to that Uh, Then I went to a um, The I think I guess The Aviation Museum Went to that So, So your mind Just changes to everything That you're really interested in and you you start seeing the world through that lens and as opposed to you know where's the nearest bar at right that's like that was like my thing like where's the bar (laughs) and and i'm so happy that i'm past that
0: that must make such a huge difference in your everyday life i can't even (laughs) i can't imagine what it's like now cravings are a huge problem for a lot of addicts and especially in our community and i'm interested to hear if you ever struggled with cravings or urges or was it just a case of you being so busy that <laughs> you didn't think about it?
1: You know, for for me personally, I didn't I, I didn't suffer cravings too much because a lot of my drinking, I, I realized, you know, I think a lot of my drinking was was centered around this kind of wanting to fit in in this scene, right? There was I don't know if there's a gamer scene equivalent because it's, it's because it's a solid well i guess everything can be a solitary activity until you yeah. until it's not except like team sports but i i got i was so busy. I didn't have, I mean, I barely had time to sleep properly, <laughs> let alone. And that that really helped me because uh, for, for, like, I mean, the first two years of my sobriety, I mean, realistically, even if I wanted to drink, there was just no time, right? At least not the way to drink that would have been, like, acceptable, like, go to a bar. I would have had to, like, I would have had it really been an alcoholic, like, a bottle stashed around the crib. i pick it up and take a swig on the way out. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, thank goodness I, I was, like, approaching that point. Uh, but I never quite got there Thank, thank goodness I mean the worst is like I'd have I'd start having beer before bed and that that's already you know awful but never never got to that point but you know one of the things in terms of alcohol look I mean I, I keep it 100 man uh I didn't like hard liquor period it was it was more of a means to an end. I didn't mind beer uh but but they have non-alcoholic beer which is great. And because it tastes just like it, and you can't tell the difference, and it's like great. Uh, but I did miss wine. I really liked wine. So every now and then, I'll still get a craving for wine, and I will think, like, how great this vacation uh, would be, or this trip I'm on if I could just have a glass of wine with my food. And I remember, and then I think about how I consume wine, and then it all comes back. Like Let's forget the dedication to sobriety for a minute. Let's just use the. <laughs> my mind thinking through this, I, I I was the guy, I don't understand. Like my girlfriend will buy a bottle of wine, pull herself a glass, finish half of it and never touch the wine. Like what we've had bottles of wine and it was just, so just forget about it. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, how, how was that possible? Like who, first of all, who drinks wine and glasses? And, and that's normal for most people. But I remember, like, how I consumed wine. I'm like, okay, you can't, we can't go down this road because then we'll be down that road. Like, and I'm not training like I used to train because I'm not fighting. And, you know, one of the things you can get away with is just putting down two bottles of wine a night when, you, when you're when you burning freaking 2,000 calories a day minimum. I don't need to go down that road. So, so, so you know, uh, it... it no cravings for liquor or, or beer because liquor I never really liked. Beer is, you know, an easy substitute because I guess in Europe, for example, like every German beer has a non alcoholic equivalent. And I guess that's how they, they how want the Europeans show they're more civilized than, than Americans in that regard. <laughs> So I, I don't, I, I was, I was amazed by it. I mean, like, and then not just, you know, German, but all European beers. It's so much easier to get a non-alcoholic beer in Europe. Than it is in and, but, but, but the wine is like, yeah, I miss that. But, but that's the, that's the price I pay. You know, I just, I think part of maturity is recognizing your limitations and your weaknesses. And I go, okay, you know, because it ain't going to be just, Uh, a glass of wine that's not how i'm designed that's not how i roll i never just drank a glass of anything to be honest with you even even coffee right i got a glass i got a mug of coffee in front of me right now and i know that that's just the beginning of what will likely amount to four you know four to five cups a day difference between coffee and liquor coffee and wine is i'm not going to be buzzed and drunk at the end of the day making bad decisions you got to pick your battles, man. And I, I recognize my the, which battle I could not win. I recognize that very early on.
0: Yeah, that's so important. Can't be understated. And it definitely shows a lot of maturity as well that I definitely didn't have when I <laughs> when I tried to quit gaming for the first time. But on the topic of maturity, and there's two people who both have very different experiences with university, studying physics, and myself starting at 18 and you at Uh, what what age were you when you started
1: 28 is when i had my first class back yeah Yeah. and (laughs) And i didn't have my first physics class because i had to take a bunch of bs prereqs i didn't have my first physics class until i was 30 actually i remember i turned 30 in physics one so yeah there you go
0: (laughs) that's crazy man i didn't realize yeah someone who never experienced any real struggles during my life the shock of getting to college and not having the emotional maturity to deal with the pressure caused me to eventually drop out. And how much of an impact do you think all of the difficulties you overcame throughout your life had on your success at university? And how different do you think it would be if you started college at 18 instead of 28?
1: Well, I I can tell you exactly how it would have turned out because I actually did go to college the first time out of high school. I just, I didn't finish. I failed out in three semesters. And and one of the reasons I failed is, is one, I got a relationship with alcohol that was no good chasing girls. I didn't want to be there. I wasn't emotionally ready because, you know, there's a trade-off. When you have a hard life, you also, you know, you, you also miss some things. Like A hard life is not the end all. It just... It, it it just gives you strengths that are lacking right now in most people however what people often don't talk about is those people have a stable perspective on many things and and they they, they understand you know how to how to hold a job for example maybe not something super complicated but how to show up and finish things and not get distracted like so it's it's not um it's not like having a hard life makes it Makes you more likely to succeed. And I, I think that having a hard life is, you know, what it's like. It's like playing a, uh, it's like playing the high stakes lottery. That, that's what I'll, I'll like compare it to. If you a hard life is like playing the Powerball. If you if you win, you're gonna win big, but you probably ain't gonna win. Like, let's just be real here. Uh, and, and having having a, a life with not necessarily an easy one but one where, where you know where people where you have a strong support system and network uh that's like that's like playing to pick three like you know and 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 boxing your bet where you can cover so many different combinations there's a pretty good chance you're gonna do okay but the, the payout just isn't that great it's a lot harder to fail at that game right in other words, And that's, that's where I would, where I would go with it. It's, it's just, uh, I'm I'm, like, I, like I was saying earlier, I'm lucky, man. There's a lot of stuff I went through experienced and seen that could have taken me out completely, you know, and I missed a lot of it. Some of it by luck, some of it by. Some of it by my my design, I guess you know who I am and what appeals to me specifically. Uh, I did have some good influences around me that that certainly helps. But our our experiences in, in terms of like you know how we responded to college. Remember, I, I mean, I basically went through the same thing, but the difference is I think I you know I went through because I was young and. Uh, I was young and never had a chance to really mature and learn how to carry myself and, and stay dedicated and focused. I also had zero confidence in my ability. To do anything worthwhile i figure college was just this kind of wasted of time i couldn't make sense of it being being because i went away from home and I'm, I'm doing these classes and i can't figure out what the end game is it just didn't, it just didn't make sense to me whatsoever then when i went back at 28 the biggest difference between 28 and 18 aside from the fact that i was now like committed to succeeding i was gonna like i was legit gonna fail and i don't fail at things i just learn. so that was that was my um, thought process but the, the other big difference is i had a straight purpose man i wasn't just going because people told me that i should go because that was a lot of it i didn't understand it was just everyone saying you should go to college you should go to college but i had a real purpose i had a legit reason to be there and a legit reason to go and that, that really helped and on top of that, a bunch of my life had been – it was now my, – my, my life pillars were in place, I guess. I wasn't drinking and distracted. I had a solid relationship, so I wasn't thinking about chasing girls. I had uh, – I, I was just, I was better in other areas Those I was, I guess I was a little more, uh, well known, certainly not to the degree that I am now. And that, that in and of itself, I've certainly learned to use my persona in public is kind of this accountability thing. Like, I don't want to be a fool. If for any other reason, I don't want other people to be like, there's that fool again. Uh, or something Ed Lattimore said is nonsense, because look at the way this guy behaves. Uh, so, so it all works together for me, and I'm really happy that it, <laughs> that it did. Woo.
0: So knowing it was so tough the first time you went through college, what made you come back and choose physics of all things? Did you just want to prove to yourself that you could? Because uh, <laughs> it definitely isn't easy. Or were you just interested in learning more about it?
1: So, so here's what. So there's there's a nice little story arc that goes with this. This is not really random. So, when I went back to school, I said, "Let me major in something that won't have any lab science because I I was I wasn't against lab science. at least not that much. I mean, I really didn't want to do them. But the bigger issue was that I I fully anticipated having to miss class to work or to train or to practice and you can't make up lab work it's like real work so i'm sitting there kind of thinking at a time and i'm like all right cool let me major in math that was my first thought and remind you, I'm, I was a terrible math student, but I said I'm going to learn and figure this out. Let me major math, and I picked math because when I'm doing all this research and I'm like I'm sitting there at my my uh, kiosk at T-Mobile, being angry as heck because I'm only making nine dollars an hour. I'm, I'm looking at the the highest paying jobs and the jobs with the most customer with the with the highest employee satisfaction, and all of them had math at a, at a decent level. And I said, okay, looks like I got to do math. Otherwise, there's no right. reason for college. That was my thought process. So anyhow, and I, and I need money for school, so I go and enlist in the army, and my my specialty in the army is something called a land combat electrical systems repairer. I basically learned how to... They're basically an electrician for for weapons, right? Uh, as part of that, you got to go through this six-week course called BMAT, Basic mechanical and Electronic Theory. Uh, and, and during that, I got exposed to a lot of elect- electronic theory, right? <laughs> and I okay. said, you know what? Let me become an electrical engineer. I'll figure this out. But this is cool. This is great. This is what I really want to do, okay? So... Now I'm like, forget math. I want to do electrical engineering. I get out uh, and I start, I finished AIT and I start training. or I start going to school, you know, and drilling with the National Guard here. So, and while I'm in school, part of engineering training, you got to take physics. So I take my first physics class. And I remember we did this experiment where we had to, we had to predict where a uh, a marble was going to land based on the angle of projection the, and the uh, velocity and all that right and and then my marble landed exactly i said it was going to land and i was like oh snap that's great like that's like magic i studied <laughs> that too and so I actually found a school for when I transferred from community college to a four year. I ended up finding a school that had a, a, a great program that in integrated physics and engineering. Whichever degree you you know you would get both. So I'm going through that. It's challenging. I'm having a good time. And then and then uh around year three is when I really start understanding how to make money online and have a really good presence. And I said, you know what? I'm not, and on top of that, I'm learning more about my personality. I'm seeing that I'm not, I'm I'm at this point, I'm better than like 99% of the population in math. But that one percent, they're all my classmates, you know? So I said, all right, I don't have the math to do great at this, but I do have a lot of other good skills that I figured out from uh from tutoring i'm I'm great at explaining i'm great at teaching i'm great at understanding the math they're they're they were great at explaining the physics behind things and the numbers i actually understood why it worked and could describe it in in plain language you know one of the best compliments i ever got from my professor we were we were doing something on gravitational uh, waves and gravitational lensing and there was an equation and it was a pretty complicated kind of deal and she was like what does this equation mean right what did what does it do and, and I, I explain it in the best I can, and she writes and goes, you know, you have a gift for seeing to the heart of the equation and really and in the mathematics and understanding exactly what's going on and exactly what's being measured, as opposed to memorizing rote or just having this great kind of, I guess, numeracy is the word. So all of this came together, and I said, you know, let me get out of school as quickly as possible so I can focus on where I'm strong. Right. And I never I never had that uh, that concept before because I never really pushed that far in anything besides boxing. But been pushing hard in physics and math at this point. I'm like, okay, wow. I'm I'm I am now a great math I have better than most people in the world i'm great at math i understand more science because of all the science you have to take as a physics major not just physics but but the uh the mathematics and the chemistry and the biology as well uh took all of that and i said let me get out of here and the fastest way out based on the credits i have finished up already the fastest way out without getting rid of all this hard work because at this point i've got 116 credits you only need 100 or 109 and you only need 120 for a bachelor's degree i said let me drop the electrical engineering part because that would have been another year and a half i would finish my physics degree in one year versus e and physics in like uh a year and a half two two and a half years so that's how it happened so i want once i got my physics degree and i finished it i sent them out and then i wanted to focus on what i'm doing now but in terms of what, I mean, that's what drew me to physics, man, seeing that we really have a science in place that our, our, our branch of study that can explain and <laughs> predict things and we can take advantage of them. And it's, it's so cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. As you said, it's basically magic, especially when you're recreating famous experiments that you read about in the textbooks, like scattering particles through gold foil, but Although I didn't finish college, I've noticed a huge shift in my thinking, creativity, and just skills I developed through studying physics. Have you noticed it having a knock-on effect in other areas of your life outside of just knowing more about physics and science?
1: Yeah, and you know what else is really cool about it is, you know, you, you talk about the peripheral skills, the auxiliary abilities that you develop studying physics. One of the things that it did for me... Is it is made it made me just a a way better writer because you have to be very precise in what you say, otherwise you're saying something completely different and a lot of people can't understand this. And one of the examples I give is like I can't just say, you know. A thing, well, I can't just say a thing is going fast or we're that far away or it's going to to take that long to get there. Is it, it, you know, is it because of our displacement or distance? Like, which one? Do you mean the velocity? Is it speeding up? Okay, so it's accelerating or do you mean it's just going fast? Like, certain things people just take for granted – I've had like, and like, I'm not, I'm not like a pedantic a-hole to people, you know, when they make those mistakes. But it's how, how I communicate because I'm aware of what they're trying to say, and I just got to make sure they mean that. Or like, I'll never forget, you know, um, I, I used to say, "Turn up the TV," right, or "Turn up the computer," and I got lit into one day, and like, you don't turn up the volume, you increase it. And I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, I guess you're right. I have never thought about it that way. And and it's <laughs> but that make that would make a big difference, right? Like when you talk about something being loud, you know what what you mean is that the amplitude is yeah. is greater versus, you know, it being high pitched. When you mean the frequency the, the frequency is greater. those are little things you don't even think about. In terms of communication so when i go to describe a sound for example to someone i have to be care i have to go okay am i talking about the pitch or am i talking about the loudness how do i describe (laughs) that to a person without mentioning complicated ideas like the hertz or i guess the frequency of it you know it really it really makes you think
0: oh 100 yeah the skills that you develop in writing and precision and just that different way of thinking, you can really transfer from physics to everything else in your life. You don't really realize how much of an impact it can have. One of the places I've seen have a big impact on recently is I started getting into chess, like really delving into the mechanics and the, the strategies. And it's really helped my creative outside of the box thinking. And I know you're a big chess fan yourself, is it something you've brought over with you and used to your advantage in chess?
1: Uh, you know, you know what's funny, man. I I finally I got a teacher after all these years of struggling and struggling and you wanna talk about how much of a difference it makes, you know, it's night and day in terms of, you know, first of all, the the mo- the measurable, my playing strength on all platforms is is gone up one hundred to two hundred points in the, in the uh, the month or so, or month and a half, I think I've been maybe yeah, it's almost two months I've been with Eric, but but one of the things that it makes, uh, the, one of the things that that studying chess now has really done for the way I think or or has illuminated the way I think about other things is that I think people have this idea that you can see like 10 moves ahead and that's how you become good at chess. And you just, and you just see a bunch of patterns and you just keep getting better at seeing moves ahead. Well, that's not really true because <laughs> there's a thing that like, I don't remember who said it, uh, I've seen different versions of this floating around, but the idea is that grandmasters don't see anything about any more moves than you do. They just think about the right ones. But there's some truth to that. And, and what they do is they look at the, the problem differently. They understand that it's not that you can't predict how a thing is going to turn out exactly. All you can do is look at how the the general position is going to unfold and then think about the weaknesses and strengths of that position and play to it and then figure out the best move that kind of handles everything. And I think about that because first, first, when, you know, my moves would be like, all right, meet immediate threat. Then it was like, all right, well, these are just the things I consider when I make a move. Then it's, Meet immediate threat and defend against media, immediate uh, threat. Then it's, you know, meet immediate threat, defend against threat, and then cause a threat on my own. And then it's like, all right, all of that, plus what opens up the most space or what is best for my modern peace coordination, things like that. Okay, what's going to get my king in a position or what's going to get me in a position to cast it quickly? What's going to hold the center, right? So so all of these things come into consideration for one move. And then over time, you are just chunking that together, to where you have the best move, that pops are the best two or three, they say, candidate moves. That's a lot like physics in that when you first learn, we'll just use like basic mechanics, like physics one. When you first learn physics one, you're learning Newton's three laws of motion, right? And, and you're learning them to the extent to which you can learn them, which is in most programs, not with differential equations. And then you get to a point where you know enough math to where you can come back and revisit mechanics problems because that's what they are they're, they're new in all three laws they're all about motion and mechanics well now you can revisit problems but now you can take into account things like quadratic and linear drag which one is it when you're talking about friction okay now uh, you can t- look at where, where you start versus uh where the other thing starts and the rate of change and how that's going to make a difference because now you know presumably you're you're armed you're equipped with more calculus right you can talk about how things are going to change and move over a surface as opposed to just a straight line because now you're you're equipped with with more calculus right and you just keep learning stuff and then you can apply it and you can tackle harder problems then after you take numerical analysis, then you can then you can tackle hard problems with a computer uh, to get a numerical answer as opposed to an exact one. Right. Because exact solutions are, are a lot of times useless in the real world. So you, you try to get a numerical one, something you can use, something you can see, you know,
0: it sounds like we have a pretty similar experience and I definitely credit it to me making huge developments in other aspects of my life. And one thing I've noticed is its effect on my choice of hobbies, having become interested in things like music and chess. Well, I was always interested in music, but it's something I took a lot more seriously. And I think there's a lot of parallels with chess. I know you're an avid player. Do you see yourself applying the same critical thinking skills you learnt in physics that you do in chess? It's interesting to talk about that idea of seeing the process much more effectively than you used to. So going from thinking X moves ahead to better understanding the underlying process that makes something successful is it something you carried over to the business side of your life i mean you do a lot of product launches books courses it must be a useful skill to have as a writer and an entrepreneur online
1: oh absolutely yeah. <laughs> you know it's funny you say that i think about i don't know who i was i was just talking to my tech guy uh who he's been with me for like two years now and and when i when i released my first book I was like I'm just reading things and seeing what people do and I go okay I got a mailing list like I got like 3,000 people on my mailing list and I got like 10,000 people on Twitter I'll just put the book out there and then it'll it'll pop off not so much right like like it did like, like it did great I think I went and celebrated with like some pizza that day but like what I learned is it's not you don't just put it out there. Then you have to do a pre-build up, right? And then you have to capture attention and then you have to sweeten it with urgency. Oh, oh, and it probably helps for you to coordinate with other people when you're in your space who have a similar audience and see if you can work out some kind of exchange with them. So, So pretty much, you know, I I go from just looking at someone release a book going, Oh, this is the service. It looks so easy to understand just how much goes on in the background. And, and there's so much, but, but you know what, once you know it, you can't unknow it. And what I mean by that is not so much that you can forget it, but I would, I, I know that I will be leaving success money and, and I guess, uh, Attention is the wrong word. Awareness, uh, awareness on the table. If I didn't do a thorough job on all aspects, the pre-launch and then the creating content specifically around that, and having the right software set up and learning that, you know, and that's really what this entrepreneurial space uh, demands above all things is the ability to adapt to change. And and not just adapt to it, but you you gotta learn it. And you gotta learn how to use it. You know, for ideally, you get to a point like like right now. I'm really fortunate. Like I can pay a guy to handle some of the like. like we added this thing called Write Message to our website. And it makes such a difference in terms of navigation and bounce rates and getting people to sign up to the email list but i'm like like i think about it, like if i had to sit there and learn that they could have been used uh creating content and and two like i'd have probably been frustrated i mean let's and giving up or taking too long and it's just how it is
0: one thing i've noticed listening to you is how many of your skills are focused on adaptability So boxing, chess, business, was that on purpose or, I mean, I can't imagine you saw yourself ending up where you are now three or four years ago.
1: No, no, I, I can tell you exactly what I thought would happen. I thought I would have this cool physics degree, maybe or or engineering degree, and, and a good math background, and it combine it with my electronic stuff from the military. And I was like, oh, you know, someone will pay me six figures or really close to it, and I have a really cool job working working maybe finance or working in the engineering industry or or working on vehicles stuff like that. And and I just thought. Yeah, that's where I want to be. And You know, it just comes to find out. Here's the irony. I spent so much time nervous because all I could do was talk and communicate well. And... And turns out it's my strength. But the reason people listen to me is because I went and developed other hard parts of my life. Like I, I don't think I would have I would have nearly as much success, clout, and credibility if I just you know went and got like a communications degree of focused on communication. Like no, I I went and challenged the heck out of myself, and it just so happens that and it, during that time I've also been developing my communication abilities. Like dude, I read a, I a grammar book. I'm reading just for fun because. I, I want I want to have I want to have great skills with writing because I, I just think I've lived. I think everyone should have those and like I don't think it's a skill you can like obviously you can make a living writing, but I think you should you know temper that or, or couple it with something else. Right now I've got this this slew of life experience and even more that I'll get and I, I'm coupling a, my writing skills with that.
0: As someone's developed so many skills and gained so much life experience, I wanna try something out just to finish up here. We get a ton of questions in the game Critics community about how to better themselves, and I'd love to just run some of them by you to see if you can provide a bit of advice to those in need. So the first thing I want to ask is how you go about dealing with having a pretty big social circle of people that are completely focused on that activity. Like it's something you all have in common to making new friends and building up new relationships that are more closely aligned to who you want to become.
1: You know, it's uh, a, there, there really is no easy answer to this. So I'll just give it to you straight and uncut. You're probably going to lose some of those friends. It's just, it's just the reality of it, man, because you got to remember you're friends with people because you guys have common interests and common values and common goals. Once you decide that you don't have a common interest, well, you don't have the same interest, value, or goal. Well, you know, something else has got to keep you together. If you've been friends since you've been kids, maybe that's different, or your family or some. But for the most part, no, nah, those people are gonna go. It would be the same thing if one of your friends decided, you know what, I'm gonna be a crackhead, and you would be <laughs> like, Yo, bro, you gotta. That's cool, but we're not going to smoke crack, so you gotta go, right? But people don't look at it that way. But but when you look at the when you look at the uh, the reasons why we're friends, this—I mean—it's not a bad thing. It's not—it's not good or bad. It just—you know—sometimes you gotta you gotta get those people up. You gotta do you get you above all things, you have to do what is best for you. And if if that is where it where it goes and what it comes to, yeah, you just leave them behind. And you'll make new friends. You know, life is, look, man, I remember I read a really cool stat once. And it made sense. I think I was like 25, maybe not even, maybe 20. And it was like, you know, statistically speaking, there's a good chance you haven't even met your best friend yet or the person you'll know longest in your life. And I was like, That's a really good point. Like if I live till I'm six, till till I'm eighty, even look how you walk up. We'll lowball it. We'll say sixty, right? If I live till I'm sixty, uh, yeah, man, that's still I'm only two thirds done. I could meet somebody tomorrow. You know, you never know, and that's just what you got to do. That's what holds a lot of people back. That was one of the fears that I had to get over when I got sober. I said, okay, there's a good chance because everyone talks about that. Oh, you're gonna lose friends. I'm once again fortunate. That I have really good friends and I haven't lost any well no one that I was really good friends with I lost some people I met during the party years yeah I lost a lot of them but the uh the reality is you know when you change what what brought you guys together the re- the relationship has to change there's no reforming your old friend groups there's just, there's either finding other things if you really like those people or you realize that not nah, y'all were just kicking it for games and that's a new part of your life.
0: I think that's a great answer. One thing I'd like to add for anyone listening is to make sure that they really do push themselves out of their comfort zone if they want to grow. It's not easy to do at first, but over time you start building up some resistance and mental fortitude, and it is crucial if you really want to improve yourself. The next question is, how do you go about rebuilding your sense of identity after you go sober? Because so, I mean, I was always the gamer all through school, sort of people knew me as, but when I quit i was suddenly having to rebuild myself from pretty much square one how do you go from having no sense of self to building that identity
1: um you know so so i'm I'm, once again man i like you just hear me say it a lot fortunate fortunate because when i when i got sober man i was with, with my girlfriend and we we fit really well and have a we we have a lot of of the same interest i'm i'm lucky man but but what that did though because she does not really drink i mean in fact like we actually had to throw out some some coolers that someone gave her because they just sat there for like two years and these are, like little coolers i mean it's like little female drinks where there's barely any alcohol and they just sat there she, you know whatever right but um what, what that did is that i didn't really have to between that and training and people like don't really bother people who are training to drink. That, that's one of those things that being an athlete kind of, kind of built in, which is cool. Uh, I didn't really have uh, that loneliness issue. With that said, I didn't notice, right. I mean, that was a change. I was spending all my time hanging out and I was that guy. And now I wanted to be a different guy. and And I didn't know if I could be that guy, but... I knew that I didn't want to be the other guy anymore. That like, like, that's what it comes down to is I don't like, I, I get the whole, this is my identity. And I don't know, you know, everyone, everyone really changes for their own reasons, but they all come down to either pain of what they, pain of, of what could happen or hope of what can. And I think you need both. But, but that's what happens when you don't have hope of what can. You, you just have pain of what, what was. You don't see how you could be anything different. You're just cutting something out, and that's not good. You, uh, if, I, if I was to give a solution to that, I think you have to pick something and some place to put your mind. Because when you just cut out something that's been so integral to your life, like so important. I mean, I used to drink to celebrate everything. Everything. People, people call me up at the guy because I was down to drink for whatever. I was that guy. Right. When, when that happens, there is, there ain't nothing you could do, man. Like it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's going to be very, it's going to be very hard for you to form a new identity. So Proactively you gotta get in front of that. You have to go, okay, what what else do I wanna do? That's always say, man. Well I I, I I tell people, think about what you wanted to be when you was ten years old and start doing that. It's hopefully it wasn't a hopefully it wasn't a drunk, like so so what, what was it? What do you like to do? I mean, that's where you're going to have to immerse yourself. What do you do outside of drinking? You're not telling me, you're like, like how do you get money to go drink? Okay. So, so you understand the concept of the, the other things in your life. And, um, and what are you what have you always wanted to do how would you get to that I mean you got to lean on different things you gotta you gotta lean on what you don't want to be anymore and what you want to be eventually and when those two things come together uh, it, it, I, I think that phase is much easier to get through but it is a difficult phase because if, if someone undoes your entire identity, I think, and, and it's not really what they're doing it's just or what you're doing is you just think that because you've been so dependent on this thing for so long to provide everything from validation to socialization i mean that's what what alcohol was me, that you remove it and you go holy hell man i'm in this thing alone and that that's really what it comes down to but but you can you can ease that change and transition by working uh at at something you wanna be at something you wanna do, even if you don't know what that is, yeah, you just gotta you gotta go try it out, man, you gotta draw stuff out
0: one hundred percent yeah, I totally agree, man. It's it was something your friend told you that you didn't really take much notice to at first, the very thing that made you a heavy drinker will make you great at whatever else you decide to do. One thing we like to tell people is that if you can play video games for 16 hours a day, <laughs> your problem isn't a lack of focus or discipline when you take up a new skill.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, they, they're like, no matter how fun it is, exactly. No matter how enjoyable that is, uh, that is not, that, that's hard,
0: man. <laughs> exactly do you think it's a case of learning to channel that obsessive energy into new activities or is there something else to it
1: when when he said that to me i I just remember you know hey you're probably right but you know you you don't realize it man like like for example a big thing for me and you just gotta own your weaknesses man a big thing for me is is recognition you know, people got to know that I'm there. kind I don't like, I don't need to be the center of attention, but if I want to do a thing, I want to be like known for said thing. I mean, that's just, just who I am. And one of the things that, that I was able to shift out and really start doing and being I now get attention from respect. And that's a big deal to me. Like people respect me. People want to, people think that that I know what I'm talking about and that I'm and I and do it. And that, 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 you know, whether I do or not is, is not even the point. The point is that I've taken um a a potential weakness and I've turned it into a potential strength. I've taken something that could have undone my life and I've used it to build up my life. And we're not talking about alcohol. We're talking about this this need to feel like I'm a, I'm I'm worthwhile that to feel validated, really. Then again, validation by being like this kind of you know guy who drinks and socializes which by the way you know if i was still doing that at 34 that would be awful (laughs) no one will respect me i'd be a loser nobody nothing but making that shift in my mind uh to to be that guy um now yeah that makes a big difference
0: i think a big part of it for me was finding out specific reasons why I game, and then I can mirror that when I take up something new. So if it's for escapism, I can find something I can get lost in, like reading or writing. And if it's for challenge, I can take up sports or martial arts. Is that something you've experienced?
1: But I, I, I 100%, man, like that's a lot of, uh, I, I got this theory, right? And then I don't think this is that long or complex. So I'll try and keep it really simple. Uh, there was this book I was reading called The Epidemic of Absence. And the book was about why we have allergies and and food sensitivity. And the basic premise of the book was that we have these food allergies and these sensitivities because our immune system evolved in an environment of distress. I mean, think about how clean the world is compared to even 100 years ago. And then when i talk talk about like all the other time before there was sanitation and people figured out burning things makes them clean and we got chemicals to purify stuff, right? So, so our immune system used to really be working in overdrive, man. Like that's just, and now it's not. But it, but it's not like, but it's not like that that it was broken and it was working hard. No, it was working hard. Now it's broken. I we don't have enough things for it to attack. So what's it do? It, it decides to attack other things that are good for us that perhaps look similar to something not like, which is why uh, you look at the top allergies. They're all food protein related, and yeah. and and. and the kind of food things that like eat other things you know or, or rather they're based in the ground or they eat things that come directly from the ground that are you know that, that have a mold kind of what's the word i want um uh, i'll remember but the but the point i live in fish and shellfish but but those are the same because they're they're like plant-based they're like the the shell on a shellfish and what fish eat uh the the basic idea is that we don't our immune systems now are attacking things that shouldn't because we don't have the things to attack anymore. And you can see this. I guess they, they did a chart in the book where it compared the GDP of a country to its prevalence of allergies and its direct correlation. To higher the GDP, to higher the GDP, the more people have food allergies. And then someone made this link in a conversation I was having on maybe Twitter about anxiety and depression. And there's a the whole idea that, like, we, the, the, you know, back in the day, you know, people do not have time to be anxious or depressed. Mm-hmm. And and that said, tongue-in-cheek, maybe, or, may, or, or, or maybe the people that say that don't realize perhaps how true that is. Mm-hmm. And not that there was none of it, right? It's just that, you, you know, there, there are things that you got to really worry about. And I think part of part of being a human is having things to worry about and focus on and challenges. We're, we're, someone described us to me as like a conqueror species. We always have to be, you know, fighting against something or dealing with something or we lose our minds. And look at how easy the world is and how easy it is, you know, to remove all challenge. and that seems to directly correlate with this whole nervousness and this anxiety. You know, we, we reference, again, The Matrix, and there's a scene <laughs> The the scene when they're trying to get, you know, the codes from Morpheus to, to get into Zion and they're working on cracking the codes and Agent Smith explains to him, he goes, you know, the first Matrix was designed to be a utopia. It was a disaster. The programs rejected it. You know, they needed something wrong. Right. Well, that's what's happening now is that what is there really for a person to challenge and focus on? Nothing. So we, we, we have to invent these things and these issues and these problems because that's, that, that's part of what we are, right? And that you, you see the exact same thing with addiction to these, these substances, I think, or these, these activities, is that rather than take that energy... And focus it on something that will make a difference. That you you know normally I like like obviously there were people who were who drank too much in like the eighteen hundreds, but I would imagine even that was tempered and only relative to the population, not like compared to now. They'd be like light drinkers because you know when when you're busy when you gotta hunt your food, chop the firewood. Cook the food, and then you got to spend all day doing that. You probably don't have a lot of left, a lot of time for BS, man. It's not the the, the reality is, you know, that time that we have. That, that's why the, the biggest progresses in science came from people, came from rich kids, man. For for a lot for a lot of history, because they're the ones that had the time, and then no one else has that time because shit, man. Just just keep having breakfast, ain't no sleeping in, man so that's how i feel about that that's that's why that all that energy is uh where where it goes and what you have to do with it
0: oh man (laughs) i could have a whole episode about modern depression and anxiety the epidemic that's going on but unfortunately i think that's all we've got time for we'll have to finish up now but just for the people listening where's the best place to find you online
1: uh they can find me uh on Twitter at Ed Lattimore, Instagram at Ed Lattimore, my website edlattimore.com. The wonderful thing, man, y'all when all your, your social media has the exact same very similar, okay. Ed Lattimore will get you me get, get you everything, but um but what? My um what the heck is oh my Facebook page is it's like it's like Ed Lattimore Boxer or something like that.
0: Have you got anything in the works for the future? I know you're always busy doing something.
1: Right now I'm working on man. I got, I got I got so much stuff that I've had to like kind of sequence it. Because what happens is when you live this lifestyle, you realize you know you, you become like a shark. You can't stop moving. Otherwise, you will drown. So I'm I'm working on one project right now. I'm actually doing doing a sale today and or for the rest of the week. And then after that, I got a, a, a a little writing God where I, where I teach some of the basics behind uh, how to create content really quickly, but we not just create content, but create it. Well, you know, I'm a big stickler. I can tell when the writing is, uh, they just, they're just not up to, to snuff yet. And, and I'm not, you know, perfect yet, but I am, you know, I got I get, I know a lot. But I don't have to teach somebody and, and things of that nature. I got, I got some more gods on Twitter coming out and and I think I want to probably start some kind of podcast, man. It's just it's just hard. It's not hard. It's, it's a good. It's just a lot to do. You, you gotta you gotta sort and organize all these things in your mind because it keeps you busy.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed. There's always something else to do. <laughs> anyway, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Ed. All
1: right, thank you, man. Pleasure to speak to you as well.
0: Until next time, man. Cheers. I think my head already feels. A couple of pounds heavier (laughs) after absorbing all the amazing advice that Ed has shared throughout the podcast. And you can definitely tell when someone has lived through difficult experiences. He's a clear example of someone using those struggles to better himself and those around him. Once again, don't forget to check out Ed Lattimore on Twitter, at Ed Lattimore. And I highly recommend his book, Sober Letters to My Drunken Self. It's super relatable to anyone in our community suffering with gaming addiction. And even if you're not, you'll get a tonne of advice out of it regardless. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to leave us a rating. It really helps us out. And check us out on social media and YouTube at Game Quitters Everywhere. And for those struggling with gaming addiction, or know someone who is, we've got some great guides on our website at gamequitters.com forward slash respawn if you're a gamer, and gamequitters.com forward slash reclaim if you're a parent or a loved one. Thanks again for tuning in